Courtney Mack here with The Magical Midlife Crisis. This podcast is intended to inspire and support you on your personal journey towards feeling more magic. Breathe, press play, expect real and raw stories and shifts. Come back with your own stories, shifts, and magical light moments through your darkness in your life. Once we pinpoint the mind to search for the magic, the magic will show up. It's just a matter of time. It could be at any moment in the middle of this magical ride we call life. Enjoy this episode. Grab your seat every Sunday. Expect magic. Welcome back to episode two of Magical Midlife Crisis Podcast. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, highly recommend going back to to find out where we are now. And basically, that was the cracking open of our understanding of the way we're viewing life and how we want to change that, take our power back. Um, we definitely didn't see it in that way then. But Meg, let's get into it. You, you were at the point of you had lost your diner business you were deciding to really jump into owning your power at the bar business like what was what was your next layer my next layer would probably be my physical health and my mental health um and those really are connected which a lot of people don't really realize and i didn't realize because i battled mental health my whole life but First, I want to get into the physical aspect. Um, um, autoimmune issues have run in my family. Um, my mother has Crohn's. My sister's got fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's, um, a couple other things I can't think of. But then I started to have, I was on thyroid medicine. Um, I had hypothyroidism. And then I was starting to have a lot of inflammation and joint issues. And this was during the time of COVID where I was really able to like have the time to be like, analyze myself, like what is going on? And I would wake up, I would have headaches every day, joint pain, um, my fingers would swell up. It was just the weirdest stuff was happening to my body. And so that's when I started making phone calls to doctors and then that's when they did my blood work. And my blood work came back positive for ANA, which is anti-nuclear autoimmune. Mm. Um, and they didn't pinpoint which autoimmune that I had. Mm. So that kind of sent me to neurologist, having MRIs done, um, which they only found um, bone spurs on my neck, which wasn't um, related to any of my other issues that I was having. Um, I had um, what was called, have you ever had that testing done where it's muscle? They zap you all over your entire body oh. to see if your reflexes are normal. Oh, oh it's terrible. Oh. But they said I was fine. So I'm, yeah. And so, so I'm like, kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know? And you're 30, 36 at the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, so they wanted me to go to rheumatologist. They want to put me on steroids. And I was kind of, I reached a point where I was like, I don't want to do all that. I think it was one day I went to the doctor. I had two appointments and I think I'd spent like $500 in copays for specialists. And I was like, what the fuck? And it kind of made me realize there's got to be another approach. And so that's kind of when I started to really dive into my foods and what I was consuming. And so I started to make cleaner choices um, in my diet, my lifestyle and um, 
I was already working out like a maniac, but I wasn't feeling my body properly. Um, I didn't realize a lot of things that were happening to me were con- contributed from food. But um, so once I started to really change my my diet a little bit, my mental health started to really come into play. Um, I was, my mind was already slowing down from having time to think and really kind of look deeper into myself. And um, my anxiety was getting less. Um, and that kind of when I started to meddle into meditation, which um, is funny because I have my whole life, my mother has always told me, Megan, just count to 10. And I would tell, do you know how fucking hard that is when you're mad to count to 10? Now it's like I look forward to it. I'm like, I can't wait to count to 10. You know, because you know the, the inner peace that you can find and the tranquility and just surrendering yourself to nothing. Um, but yeah, so my whole life was just ruled by mental health. Um, I remember by the age of 11, I was put on antidepressants, mood stabilizers. Whoa. Um, yeah, that was a point where my parents had start, um, got a divorce. I was the only kid in my, at least my classroom, like most of my whole grade, people weren't getting divorced like crazy back no. then. Or, so um, it was just a really hard time. And the more I kind of talked to my mom about it in my adulthood, in my history of my mental health, it's just, it boggles my mind that nothing was ever done about it it's in the depths of that i wish it would have been done like i hear stories of kids oh yeah my kid has temper tantrums or whatever well i was the two-year-old banging her head on the on the hard floor i would do things to get like if i got in trouble temper tantrums punch your holes in the walls and that just of like elevated throughout my teen years and all of it and um yeah it was I was just known as just being like an angry mental case. Like, I don't know. It's really kind of fucked up. And I know this because you shared it with me, but you still work on the anger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of the first seven years of our lives were programmed. Like, those are the first crucial years of your life. And my first seven years of my life, I resorted to releasing all my emotion through anger mm-hmm. obviously if i was upset i would be angry if somebody pissed me off i would just be angry like i had no sense of how to control it and doctors told my mom she'll grow out of it she'll grow out of it well i never grew out of it mm-hmm. um which i'm actually shocked because back then they weren't putting kids on medicine the way that they are now so if we took 30 years ago 35 years ago into today i would have been put on medicine at the age of i'm sure three years old like would have been diagnosed, whatever, but it's really just learning how to handle your emotions. And I also didn't have the healthiest family environment to work through that. So right. I didn't have a safe space, yeah. safe place for me to really um, figure it out. And it kind of became like I latched onto it almost as my identity, my persona. Like, yeah, I'm the youngest. I'm the one with the spit by your mouth. I'm the one that has got the temper it was it kind of like yeah it became my identity really yeah and and you owned it like i and i think that's 
that's another thing. Like for me, my my um my emotion that I would connect to, I never got angry. I always got sad. I got sad about everything. So it's like no matter what emotion I was feeling, like sad. That's and I would cry and I would go quiet and I would go hide. Like it's like the exact opposite for you. And so that it's amazing. And now you own it in a different way. Like you you shift into utilizing that feeling. I see it. I see when you when you are up against it, which I don't really see you angry very much. I mean it's rare, but I can live with me for a day. Live in my home live in my home for a day. You'll see it. <laughs> yeah. But I do see how your awareness of it is so solid and and i think it's really awesome that you get to share when you are feeling that emotion Mm -hmm. with your people around you like i'm aware of this right now i'm working through it and that's i think that's where the whole saying of like um um something about it takes a village or whatever that Mm -hmm. thing is like it really does for all of us to be supported and knowing that we still are loved regardless of the shit that we're yeah going through and how we're letting it out like we're still loved yeah i mean at the end of the day we the support system is and i'll be all yeah really Mm -hmm. it really i i often look back at my my younger self, my inner child, my my journey, um, and I had no. I, it was kind of funny. I did not eat anything nutritional growing up. Nothing. I was called a jailbird. My mom's sister, my aunt, Aunt Kelly, would call me a jailbird because all I would eat was saltine crackers, breadsticks, and. Um, the bread at the paper or at the table when we go out to eat. I wouldn't eat any food, vegetables, fruits, nothing. Yeah. So I was probably nutritionally like starving for nutritionalized. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like the saying goes or the statistic really say that we are the most overfed and most malnourished. Yeah. As a country. Well, and then, yeah. So that kind of led into my my me getting a little bit older and to a preteen in my high school days all i would eat was junk fast food um my dad was always at work or when my parents got divorced it was just my mom at home and she was working and so it was like literally just i don't i was eating nothing of value in in my system and so now as a mom I see all these kids growing up with all these mental health issues and all this stuff. Like, and I'm pretty sure that might have been a contribution to my issues as a child because I would eat just cake batter and sweets and yeah, like, yeah, it was. I don't remember everything that I ate, but I know it was. um, I remember making like we would always have bread and butter at dinner, always. And if there was vegetables. I would just put it in between the bread and butter so that I could get it in because we weren't allowed to not eat everything on our plate or at least all of our vegetables. But then we could get ice cream. That was our dessert. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember eating like peas, just a pile of peas in the middle of my bread and butter sandwich. 
Uh, oh, it's disgusting. And, and washing it down with milk. Oh, gross. Yeah, skim milk. Or 1% or 2%. Or yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, the nutrition factor was really lacking. Yeah. So that really, I mean, by like, so like I had mentioned, my parents getting divorced at the age of 11. That's when I started going to therapy. And my mother was a, amazing at this time. She knew that I needed to be heard and seen. And she did everything that she could. She was taking me to therapy and uh, my therapist was amazing. Um. She was just really supportive and a great advocate. And um, I think truly my mom felt like she, I think in conversations I have with her today, I think she kind of blames herself a little bit, you know, yeah. but there's no blame on anybody. No. But um, no, we're all in this experience together. Yeah. So, yeah, then it kind of led through the obstacle, the obstacle of being on medication. And then, like most people, okay, you're, I was diagnosed bipolar. But when? At 11. Oh. At 11 to like 12 was when I started going to therapy. And I was diagnosed bipolar. I don't even know if it was my psychiatrist, a therapist. I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, I do multiple personalities. But I think more than we all play no. I don't no. think I just have manic and whatever, but. That became my identity. I'm like, okay, now here I am. I'm this 11-year-old. Okay, okay, now I have this identity that I'm bipolar. And oh, this is, this is it. And I, I rolled with it. But then when I would start to feel better, I would go off my medicine. And then I would just be... I was terrible. I would lash out. I would... The things that I would do in the house, things that I would say, I would have temper tantrums to the point of breaking shit i would knock down my doors my mom would take my door off my wall yeah so then from there kind of led into high school and i was still still like that on and off medicine on and off and um i think freshman year i had a mental breakdown and um i'd been to the hospital so many times that i don't remember the first time but i don't Remember, I think, I don't know if my mom called 911 or I don't know if she drove me to the hospital. But I remember I went and got admitted to the behavioral health. And I was there for the minimum time of having to be inpatient. And I remember being in a classroom full of, not a classroom, but like a room full of kids and hearing stories and schizophrenics and this and that. And then that's when I had met this girl who's like, oh, I cut and this and that. And I was like, oh, there we go. There's an option. So then I became a cutter because that was a silent way for me to control my anger and my hurt and whatever. So it was kind of a roller coaster of me going in and out of these behavioral healths in high school and with drinking and just living that lifestyle. And it, um, but I think what I love about our idea and mission about what we're doing with this podcast we're broadcasting stuff that i think a lot of people can relate to and if you can't then don't worry we're not for you um but we're just we're just releasing it we're letting it out there and it's healing for us huh? yeah but yeah, this is our truth. Like, yeah. This is, this is who 
we have been and who we are now and it's like as the saying goes all of that shit has brought us to who we are now mm-hmm. oh yeah i i absolutely love and adore that little crazy shit that i was <laughs> i really do because i know that she was just hurting yeah and whether it was hurting from this life or if i was hurting from all my past lives and i was holding on to whatever but it all played into my awakening during COVID mm-hmm. and just the whole process of it and me really looking into my mental health and like, wow, I started actually have clarity in the way that I was thinking and my mind and heart coherence. And it was all starting to like make sense. And it was a hard process because I felt like through the whole journey of it in the beginning, I was like, my life could have been so much better if I did this then or if I did that or if I would have just listened, but I wasn't meant to then, I guess. And it's just timing is everything. The universe has everything happen for you and brings people into your life and as it should be. That is like the gift. Yeah. Getting that message and and not just hearing it, but feeling it. Mm-hmm. I feel it now. Never, ever thought of it in that way before as far as all of this shit happening for me to process and become. Because, like, for me, the idea of, like, a dreamy, fairytale life, I I had those thoughts. But I feel like, even if I didn't hear it from people, I blocked it. Like, why would I, why would anyone live like that? That's not real. That's not realistic. Be realistic. I tried to call myself a realist to, to allow myself to block it and cut it off and not think in that way mm-hmm. and will literally resist the lives that I wanted. It's crazy how we're so good at doing that. Yeah. Humans are so good at resisting. Yeah. I I learned that in like my uh my journey of awakening and growing and learning. The I'm really bad at remembering where I hear certain things, but this this um quote pain times resistance <laughs> equals suffering. And now I understand that pain is a given it's going to happen and it's supposed to happen but the suffering is a choice and i really see that now but all of these layers have allowed me to come to this understanding now but it was so not clear to me back then you weren't prepared for that impact moment no absolutely and so let's say you didn't have that let's say you had an impact moment and you were able to go through your your journey of self-healing. And then let's say it wasn't like Brett Cassie. Mm-hmm. That was your impact moment and something else. Like, do you, do you think you'd be a much, you'd handle Brett Cassie in a much different way? Oh, man, I'm just so, I'm so happy the way I handled it. Yeah. I am. Because I, there was just this, constant shift and i really think that it was threat like i 
Someone asked me this the other day. How do you know it was him? I don't know. I, I don't know that it was him, but I have this feeling that it was, that he just started to send me things and people that I needed to hear and I needed to speak with and I needed to be around. Like, I, I've always, I've always uh, kind of felt energy, but I never knew that's what I was feeling. If if I didn't feel safe, I didn't know that it was like the energy from the people that I was around. I just had this feeling. So I never knew what intuitiveness was. I never knew what like the whole gut feeling was. My mom always said, you know, listen to your gut, follow your gut. Well, my gut was always like on red alert. <laughs> like, well, how am I supposed to change the people you're hanging around? Right. With? So, um. When it came to my next layer of just waking the fuck up, it had everything to do with getting into some kind of health, and I just chose physical fitness because I was, I was, I think engaged at the time. Pretty sure I was, and so I had a wedding to plan, and so what to you know, bride to bees do, they work out and get ready for that whole event. So I I was. I chose working out and it really started to trigger some negative body image issues that I've had and eating disorders that I went through, which all had to do with control. I luckily I told my mom when I was um, I think I was 17 and I had been going in and out of different eating disorder issues since I was 15 and I just told my mom that I had to talk to somebody because I have a chronic lying issue and you were lying about that well, well I mean it, I mean I was chronically lying to right. everyone and myself yeah. so it kind of fit but I didn't know like I just I don't know why I chose that if I really wanted to dig in, I'm sure I could figure it out. But that's what I chose. Yeah. So, yeah, she got me to go talk to a counselor and I shared my eating disorder issues. And she said it had everything to do with not feeling like I had any control in my life. And that was one of the ways that I could. One of the only ways. So that was really, that was really interesting to hear. And it made sense in my very insecure and um unsupported mind like I just felt like I was very alone in the world and having a label helped me feel less alone and that she knew this that because other people have done it I'm like okay so you're able to put yourself in a category yeah 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 which I've learned our brains like to do to give us uh, certainty so kind of like what you said with having your diagnosis of bipolar mm -hmm. like ah answers yeah. <laughs> right. right so um yeah went through the whole marriage which i had both of us as far as me and then my husband at the time had red flags of it not being the right choice but we both had hope that it would be the right choice um and then 
I had a I had a God moment where I was taking a pregnancy test and it was negative and I just was literally sitting on the toilet and I just like rested my head back on the wall and I'm just like this is not supposed to be the way that I planned and what am I going to do because I want to have a safety but I don't want to raise kids in this environment that I was creating so I wanted to take responsibility but I didn't know that's what I was doing so I you know this is a fast forward kind of jumping around my timeline but I went to therapy for the second time but this time as an adult and I learned that I was a victim in my life and I it's funny because I always said like I'm never going to be a victim to my situations my circumstances but I didn't know what that meant because like I was living that way and it's, it's funny to me that I was kind of calling myself out without consciously knowing like right. I, you were calling yourself a victim because you don't want to be called a victim in a way right. I I was I was blaming everyone around me for how unhappy I was. I was expecting everyone to create my own happiness. I saw the posters on the wall as far as that saying that you are responsible. You are the one that creates your own happiness. But I didn't get it until that moment. Until I got it. And I said, I'm going to create my own happiness. And that, like, I just opened my mind to how do that and I just allowed I wasn't resisting anymore I'm like I get it now I want to feel that how do I do that like show me the steps I'm really good at instruction I don't always read them so just tell me mm-hmm. just give me lead the- by example just show me what to do yeah well I was I was very open and I was ready to make the shifts and my physical health was awesome like I did all the different movements to look the most physically fit and healthy still wasn't physically satisfied because when you have body image Mm -hmm. issues just it's a weird it's a weird morph in your in your mind Mm -hmm. but I still felt so shitty inside and I kind of made up this like diagnosis of like an underlying expected shittiness like I just expected to always feel the shittiness no matter what next thing I was doing and I could we'll we'll go into that in other episodes just the different layers but um it feels good to take responsibility and I didn't realize that's not what I was doing I didn't realize that at all yeah Taking ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Megs, it feels really expansive to just be real and practice using my voice because I've been a very quiet person majority of my life. And this is one of the loudest things that I can do, broadcast my true inner feeling with the universe to absorb and disperse it wherever 
it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And for us to trust that, I love how we are so connected to to the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But also trusting that nobody knows the damn truth. Like, truly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just it's about evolving and expanding. And, I mean, we're almost 40. We still have half of our lives to go, yep. hopefully. Yeah. Um, but it's preparing our future selves for these, for future impact moments. And so I'm grateful for my journey and been able to handle my impact moments and just to be able to handle my future self better. And you can only evolve. All we can do as healers is evolve and do better and be better. Well, yeah, I, I heard from one of my mentors, like we are nature and the way that nature exists and evolves is growing and contributing. And so I've learned that that's exactly what you and I now do. Yeah. Like we've come into each other's lives to grow massive amounts. Mm-hmm. And we learned all of this from someone else, other people. Yeah. It, it's so vulnerable and it's so scary to open up and share your personal life experiences truly because you don't know who's going to hear it who's going to be affected by it but people have to realize these are our stories from our reality our perspective we have every right to voice our lives and share our stories because i've listened to stories that have helped me get through it so there's a young girl out there that's struggling and needs somebody to listen to and get, not feel alone because I didn't have that. Same. Mental health was not a topic that people talked about when we were growing up. Absolutely. It was like shunned. Yeah. It was an embarrassment. It was now it's like, let's just shove pills on everybody's throat. But it's to really just, even if it's just one person that our stories get out to, it helps because our world needs it. Our world needs good energy and we just need more, more love and acceptance. Amen. A fucking med. <laughs> Episode two. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you on episode three. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you either just appreciate her messy, awkward life experiences, or you're truly up for finding more magic in your life like we are. Definitely tune in every Sunday for more reality shifts that we explore between us and with many special guests that join. If you feel it, please subscribe so you don't miss your seat on our magical Earth School bus. Your experience with this show really means a lot to us, so we want to genuinely welcome you to leave an honest review. Your voice matters exactly how it is. You can follow us on social media, check the show notes, and if you really want to get in the action, send us a message directly through our email. We'll connect with you next week. Beep, beep. <laughs>